Welcome to Well-Defined and Wonderful, the podcast about mathematical intricacies and beauty in mathematical analysis. Hi and welcome to our new episode of Well-Defined and Wonderful, and today's chapter will be about the field axioms. Okay, so what are the field axioms and what are they good for? Okay, so let's start with an anecdote. When I was at school, in elementary school still, uh, a friend of mine and myself, we were routinely giving ourselves some uh, computation problems. So um, we would be throwing um, numbers around and we should add them and subtract them. So whenever we liked. And in some uh, music lesson, we uh, both were rather bored. So um, the friend of mine who... <laughs> for some reason, just got a calculator and at his ha uh, hand, computed the highest number that you could uh, put into a calculator and subtracted another one. Then added um, another random number that, that just fit into this calculator and subtracted a number that just fit into the calculator. And this back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. So... Then um, he wrote down the result and also the numbers he added and subtracted and uh, gave it to me. And he gave the uh, numbers in that order. So the added number, then the subtracted one, then the added one, and then the subtracted one. So I, um, I got this piece of paper um, and I thought, well, why not adding up all those positive numbers and then subtracting the sum of all those negative ones? So this is what I did and I came up with a huge number and subtracted another huge number and as a result I came up with the correct one and uh, my friend was kind of uh, <laughs> puzzled that I was able to, to uh, actually compute this um, computation. So what was the trick? So what's the catch? Well. The idea is that I applied somehow intuitively the rules of adding and subtracting numbers. And one then might think of, well, what are those basic rules um, that, I, um, that, that, that underline um, addition and also multiplication later on that made us apply these rules or that somehow made this uh, rational that I uh, applied correct? And as it turns out, those rules for addition and also multiplication are not that quite outrageous and they're also very easily memorable. The first rule of addition and multiplication is there is no multiplication and addition. No, just kidding. Uh, of course, the first rule in um, adding numbers and multiplying them is the associative law. And this is the most intuitive one, I'd, I'd, I would rather say, because people might tend to forget that, actually. It doesn't matter whether you, in a sum of three numbers, add the first two and then the third, or add the first to the sum of the third and the second one. This is just the same. Same thing with multiplication. Just for an example, if you want to add three plus four plus five, It doesn't matter whether you add 3 plus 4 first uh, and then add the, to the result at 5 or you um, add 3 to the result of 4 plus 5. And same thing with multiplication. So as a, the associative law is really the most intu intuitive one and everybody would agree that this, this is a very uh, sensible thing to ask for. 
The next one is also rather um, intuitive. This is the law of um, commutativity. Uh, and also both for multiplication and addition, this is rather um, uh, intuitive because it says that it doesn't matter whether you uh, uh, add 3 plus uh, 5 or 5 plus 3 uh, or um, 3 times 5 or 5 times 3. So this is just the same result, um, either of those uh, computations. And um, this multiplication and addition uh, singles out that something is commutative. Uh, please, please remember that the world itself is not commutative. And just to give you a brief example, it really does matter whether you open the window first and then uh, put your head out of the window or you put your head out of the, out of the window first and then open the window. The third rule um, in addition, also as in multiplication, is the existence of something that um, is neutral to addition or multiplication respectively. So that means in um, addition, um, we, we ask for the existence of zero. So if you add zero, nothing happens. Similar uh, as in multiplication, where we ask for the existence of one, where you multiply one and nothing happens. And this is very, very, very um, important thing to ask for, um, to have this, these neutral um, elements, because otherwise we can't go to the fourth element, uh, to the fourth axiom, which is the existence of something that is inverted to the respective operation. So, which brings us to the fourth rule. In addition, it's the existence of negatives. So, for every number, you find um, a particular other number. We call it minus this number or negative this number, such that if you add those two, you arrive at a neutral element. And the similar thing happens for uh, multiplication. For every number that which is non-zero, um, you find um, something called the inverse. So if you multiply those two, you end up with one. And then finally, um, that uh, you need a rule that combines multiplication and uh, addition which is the distributive law, uh, and uh, it says that if you multiply something which is a sum, you can multiply each individual um, element of this um, sum, so the, every summand, with the same factor, and you end up with the same result. So now we have nine rules at hand, and with these nine rules, we can actually derive all those computational tricks that I also applied in order to come up with the result that I was uh, asked for in music class back in the days when I was in elementary school. In particular, um, we can actually derive those laws and how to add fractions, how to uh, come up with the rules for uh, the binomial formula and these kind of things. So you actually have now a tool set at hand that makes you prove all those fancy little ideas and fancy little rules that you um, intuitively applied uh, uh, back in school uh, are now provable due to uh, this set of assumptions you have. So this is really nice, right? Um, is it good for our quest to actually construct the real numbers? Well, or to actually have a model for the real numbers or to have something that resembles those real numbers um, in any kind of way? Well, the unfortunate answer is no, because all those rules we have derived 
are applied or can be can be realized to be satisfied by a set with two elements containing only 0 and 1 and with a particular multiplication and addition table. And this all suffices to obtain those, <laughs> to, to, to have a realization of those axioms, which on the one hand show that those um, axioms don't have any uh, internal contradiction or something, but on the other hand says, well, we are far, far, far from actually having constructed those real numbers and or having a model or an idea of what those real numbers are. And this is the quest we have to uh, go for in the next round when we talk about the axioms of order. Thank you very much and see you next time.